0: Reject Journal, March 3rd, 2021. We are this close to Armageddon. I can feel it. When all the socialists and Democrats stare up in the sky and say, save us, I'll whisper, no. (laughs) How was that? Is that good? I hope so. Hello and welcome to the 4 Comic Junkies Podcast. My name is J.J. Hodges. We are a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. And today is a very special episode. I say that like every episode. But this time, I mean it just as much as those other times, because I'm excited. We are talking Watchmen, the original graphic novel published in, you know, first... First uh, arriving in 1986, throughout 1987, so I think we're in the 35th anniversary. Um, DC hasn't really said anything, but I'm going to go with it. Why the heck not? I mean, technically, the first issue came out in 86, right? Right? I think it did. Today, uh, I'm joined by uh, Jesse James, one of the, uh, one of her consummate returning guests. Consummate? That's not right. Um, anyway. He's back. We're talking Watchmen. And today we have a special guest, Nico Caruso from the Vigilante 1939 podcast. A great show. I highly recommend. Uh, those guys, they've got all the Italian passion you could want. Um, and they don't even, like, talk about spaghetti. That much. You should talk more spaghetti. Ooh, I'm hungry. I haven't had dinner yet. Um, as always, you can find me, Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitter for comic junkies, uh, we uh, please uh, if you're subscribed on Apple Podcast, uh, you know, rate, write a review, because word of mouth gets this podcast going past just me, you know, listening to it so I can pretend I have listens. Uh, anyway, we're getting into it. Watchmen, and who watches the Watchmen? You'll find out. Thank you, uh, Nico, for joining uh, joining us today. Uh, this is really exciting. You know, we've been talking uh, off and on for a little while about uh, uh, being on each other's podcast. Um, so this is exciting to get you on to talk uh, talk some Watchmen.
1: Really cool, man. Thank you so much for having me. Like you, like you said, we've been talking a little bit and we're finally here and you're going to be on ours very soon. So <gasps>
0: it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I always like having friends. That makes me feel good so oh, most of people do. oh of course of <laughs> course so uh so we have Off to a great start <laughs> so we have uh we also have jesse here uh you can't really see him just based on being in the studio and the way the things are set up and that's that thing came up and
2: um but you can hear him right, right? absolutely where are you uh tuning in from nico
1: I am tuning in from about 10 minutes outside of the city of Chicago. So a little bit of the Western suburbs there. Yeah. So it's about negative three degrees here right now, uh, (laughs) which isn't that fun, but I think we're going to bring the heat on this show. That was a corny joke, but what would a podcast be without a corny joke? Right. So it's true. I think we set the tone.
0: (laughs) um, If, if you had a drinking game for every time I awkwardly laughed on my show, you'd you'd have to go to the hospital with alcohol poisoning. So. (laughs) There, there is that. I'm, I'm trying oh. to work on that, um, but yeah. So, it's fun. Well, we're on Lake Erie, so we know all about the cold. Oh, uh, of course, <laughs> of course. Then, um, all right. So, uh, Nico, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you?
1: I am 25.
0: 25. Jesus, these kids are so, <laughs> so young. How uh, old are you
1: guys? Uh, I thought you were like late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. right? Well, I'm
0: 33. Okay. Uh, Jesse's 32. Um, young
1: gentlemen, come on now, young
0: gentlemen. Uh, at, at heart, yes, yes, very much <laughs> at heart. <laughs> um, so, so it's safe to say that with uh, in regards to Watchmen, which we're talking uh, the the main comic book today, um, we weren't there for like the quote unquote cultural significance of it, right? Yeah. So, you know, we we don't have that frame of reference saying, oh, it 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 changed the landscape of comic books. You know, we 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 all know the history, of course. But, you know. Yeah, we just know the aftermath, right? So we got mm-hmm. to read it as a whole, as its own thing, which apparently, from what I read, when Doomsday Clock was coming out and had all those delays, um, I guess Watchmen also had <laughs> had that issue, uh, which was which is pretty funny. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I saw somebody, uh, an older person on on Twitter, saying like, hey, "Y'all don't know anything." Like when Watchmen was coming out, that had delays too, and I was like, "It was probably even more frustrating back in." You know, nineteen eighty-six, when of course you, you didn't have the internet to to have Jeff Johns reach out to you and go, "I'm sorry, we're working on <laughs> it." All right, just <laughs> shut up. Like he didn't say that, uh, not to us, maybe to Ray Fisher, but I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, Had to throw one in there. Had to throw. <laughs> Perfect. Um, seriously, though, we do not condone abuse. No, yeah, on, no, on this podcast. So, just, no, of, of course not. not. Just shut up about that. All right. <laughs> okay. Now that we can move on from that. But uh, Nico, when did you first uh, get a hold of Watchmen? So I actually, so it's a funny story. So
1: I actually, my dad actually showed me the movie first. Okay. Uh, Snyder's movie first, which was, when did it come out? 2007? Uh, nine. Eight. Nine, mm-hmm. nine, 2009. So right around then, it wasn't in theaters. It was probably like the year after it came out. So probably 2010, um, I was probably like 14 or 15. And I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was still a little deep for me at the time. So a couple <laughs> years later, um, he had uh, a hardcover of the graphic novel down here that I dove into. Um, so probably about 2012, 2013. Okay. Uh, so I was probably like 17 and um, I was hooked. What was cool is it was sort of, it was sort of um, the movie aside from this um, squid at the end. It, it's sort of like a page for page adaptation. So It was yep. like, um, Became like a little bit more of a page turner than I think if I read it first, just at my age at the time. Yeah. Um. But no, it was, it was, it, it was great. And I, when I finally started to really figure out and could really interpret what uh, Alan Moore was going for there, it makes it that much better. And then each time I've read it since, which has been, I think four full times through you, you learn a little something new, I think each time or your perspective changes a little bit, especially as I've aged mm-hmm. my my perspective change, which I think I'll have, um, I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about later is my opinion on sort of the ending has actually changed a couple times.
0: Oh, um, okay.
1: As, as I've gotten older and experienced more and have been through more. So. Uh,
0: that, that makes perfect sense. And I think that, you know, we, we agree about that. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's, it's very, um, there's an ambiguity to it, uh, to the ending uh, and even to Ozymandias's actions in it yep. where, you know, probably reading it when you were younger going, Well, no, he's an asshole. Like he's wrong. Like he's mm-hmm. the bad guy. And then mm-hmm. as you get older going, but you know, it's it's the it's the uh the trolley problem, isn't it? Like do you swerve to say yeah to save one person or do you kill the hundred people? Um <laughs> which always makes me now think of uh The Good Place. Have you ever seen that show?
1: I have not seen The Good Place, uh, but I've heard great things about it, it.
0: That's that's an excellent show that you should definitely check out. But they um <clears> to <throat> Danson's character makes it literal so they have to like experience what it's like to run somebody oh, wow. over. <laughs> it's, um, that's,
2: it's it's that's really crazy. funny and
0: really gruesome for a NBC sitcom. I was like, Jesus, this is like really <laughs> fucked up. But um anyway, uh Jesse, uh when did you get into Watchmen? I
2: uh, it was actually around the same time. Uh, I had never heard of it until we were in the theater and saw the trailer, mm-hmm. and you knew what it was immediately, and uh, some one of our friends who was with us knew it as well, and I was like, well, I don't want to feel left out that I don't know this thing, <laughs> and then I got my hands on the comic and read it before the movie came out. I spent the, the whole summer reading it, mm-hmm. and I think just from the first time I read it, really fell in love with it. I just love Deep stories rich characters and yep this this comic in particular has all of it
0: yeah um i i remember like reading wizard magazine back in the day i feel like i'm dating myself saying that just i mean just saying magazine is like, what's oh. that <laughs> yeah. was... what is
1: a magazine <laughs> is that what you said magazine
0: in my day they, they had these <laughs> paper things that you could read in um but seriously it it was always on if they were doing like you know top ten greatest comic books ever written. It was always if not number one in the top two somewhere, you know. Um, and so I I remember always seeing that and never really knowing what it was and hearing for years and years and years that they were going to make a movie and and thinking like well I I don't know what this is I've never read it and then uh, finally it was like uh, Christmas time two thousand seven. Um, I finally, like, went to the store and bought it and read it, like, in a weekend and was just... In the first read, in I a was a like... a weekend? Jeez. <laughs> must have not done much else. Well, I I first moved to North Carolina, so I didn't have any friends at the time. Mm. So, oh. uh, so I was all by myself in my little apartment just going, comics are my friends. Um, <laughs> not much has changed. But, uh, anyway. So I, I, I read it and I was like, oh, that's really great. And then... Uh, same with you guys every time i reread it i i would find something new like ver- like the panels you know especially like uh with night owl and silk specter there was you know interesting uh parallels with the way Div- dave gibbons drew everything um and you know really interesting themes being brought up so it was like okay so first and foremost it was a great story to read and then it was really um it was like wow this is there's so
2: much to this that i can keep rereading it yeah and not feel bored i think the second time you read it may even be like more monumental than the first time you read it because you can see there's so many Mm buildups throughout that book um the first time you read it you don't realize that things are getting built up till the end but then when you read it again you, you see it all happening and for me when i read it over the summer you know, I would stop reading it, and then I'd go back to it, and it was. There's just so much; it's hard to keep track of. But yep. if you can, uh, read it all at once like you did, I'm sure it's a little, little easier to digest. It,
0: um, it, it is because you. That's a great point. It, it, it starts off very. It's a murder mystery, right? Like you know, mm-hmm. he'll he'll kill the comedian, and then as it goes on, you're like, oh, there's so much more to this that, you know, in in twelve issues you get so much character. You get so much story that's really at the time was unheard of. And even, Uh even then just being this one and done thing, obviously DC has expanded on it since, but at the time, and even for the, the longest time when we were all reading it, it's like, well, this is, there's so much to, to digest here that it's, it's exciting getting into it and going, wow, like, There's, I feel like I know these people even just in this, well, it's not tiny, but, you know, (laughs) this, this, this one book, um, you know, Jesse's mom is famous for going on and on about Stephen King. Um, (laughs) one of her favorite lines is, you feel like, you know, these people, like I read it and I knew those kids. I I love that. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. She she uh she went n- she went Gaga for that uh, like when the movies came out we uh we all went to go see it together and uh, that was fun she's she's a huge Stephen King fan she I mean she's an avid reader anyway yeah um, so that that was that's uh, a good
2: parallel though yeah that a lot of character building a lot of world building even even the comic those first couple chapters build up the Minutemen yep so much yep. and then they're like not even central characters in the story no uh yeah. just. It's so worth the time that's put into it. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Jesse, I really like something you said earlier when you said it's almost like your second read through is the more monumental one. And I couldn't agree more because I think the second time you read something or the second time you watch something, all the nuance from the first time sort of goes away. So instead of anticipating story or trying to learn something or adjusting to something the second time through, you you can really dive into like the meat and potatoes of everything Mm -hmm. and with this story specifically the subsequent reads like you both just said so perfectly you really get to focus in on the characters and there's so much character work and they're all so different and so unique and in some ways some of them when you really Mm -hmm. dissect them they're either very tragic they're really Mm -hmm. scary like i think dr manhattan is really scary Oh, i yeah. think dr manhattan is 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 terrifying because he's pretty much like the deconstruction of superman right it's mm-hmm. it's and i'm actually going to use a, um a line that um which i think is a great line not everyone would agree with this but uh i really like lex luther's uh zach snyder's portrayal of lex luther in dawn of justice and i love the quote um he gives clark on the roof when he goes um if god is all powerful he cannot be all good if he is all good he can't be all powerful and dr mm-hmm. manhattan is all powerful and you see time and time and again it's not the things he does it's a, it's the things he doesn't do yeah that yeah. are the scariest
0: you're 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 definitely barking up the right tree here mm-hmm. jesse and i are
2: huge batman v superman fans um I, oh I, <laughs> oh
0: i
1: know so thank god
2: <laughs> <laughs> so much to the disappointment of uh the entire world it seems <laughs> well it's like uh, you know and in, in our mutual friend uh one of my
0: best friends cory he he can appreciate some aspects of the movie and he's come around a little bit, but for the most part, he, he hates that movie. Um, we're just trying to change people's minds one person at a time, (laughs) one person at a
1: time. It's all we can do.
0: And, and, you know, side note tangent on that, you know, we, we are, you know, really looking forward to, uh, the the Snyder cut, of course. Um, of course. And, and it's, I, I love that you say that. Um, and, and I, that, that did not occur to me actually. So I'm glad you brought that up the, if God is all good, he cannot be all powerful. line uh it, it's really true with with Doctor Manhattan and 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 he is very scary because what what makes him scary and tragic uh, as you were saying he he has all the power but he's just so like Nonchalant, yeah, he's it. very indifferent mm-hmm. to yeah.
2: everything that's happening in the world.
0: So, there's no so he's so, yes, he is a deconstruction of Superman, but he's very much not at all Clark Kent. Um, no, not at all. My uh, you know, Corey and I actually talked about this a long time ago. We always thought of Night Owl, he's very much if Clark Kent didn't have any superpowers, yeah, he's, he's just a very regular, mm-hmm. boring guy because let's face it, Clark Kent <laughs> kind of is a regular, boring guy, yeah. but he wants to do good in the world. Um, I, i I say this as a huge Superman fan. I love Clark Kent. Whereas like Rorschach is, uh, you know, if Batman was just like, fuck it. Like, yeah, it, I don't off care. The rails. And, yeah.
1: He's like the extreme version of Batman.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Zack Snyder would be proud. <laughs> yeah, he would be, <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: uh,
1: Batman's journal, <laughs> Batman's journal. It's, it's a dark night in Gotham.
0: <laughs> um, that, that, that reminds me of a, a Crack.com article that came out when the movie came out. It was, it was somebody writing Rorschach's journal. And it was, you know, You know they do a lot of funny stuff. And one of the entries was like, to, Went to Burger King, asked for no pickle. <laughs> the Whopper had pickles on it. Justice is dead. And I just started laughing, like, Why does that feel like it could have been in the book? <laughs> that's um,
1: a great Rorschach voice. It sounds like the dude from the movie. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That's, been working on cool. it for a long time.
0: Uh, uh. Yeah, every day he's been working on it. <laughs> just comes out, comes outside, and just sees me shoveling snow, going snowfall again. Just makes me think of how crime is rampant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't shovel snow, so that was a hundred percent a lie. But if I did. I would do the Rorschach voice. You heard it here first. Uh, but but anyway, getting back to the book, uh, again, as I said before we recorded, the conversation is going to go where it goes. Oh, it goes. <laughs> um, Nico, do you have a, a favorite character in the book?
1: Yeah, so this is the perfect segue. Um, and I've, I've gone back and forth on why he's my favorite, but it's Rorschach. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really...
2: Good really choice. In-
1: good choice. he's really interesting thanks jesse my man see my man <laughs> um he's he's so interesting mm-hmm. and his whole black and white view of everything and his literal black and white view of everything with mm-hmm. his mask is always so interesting because he's i've always seen him so, like, sort of like I said, as, as the extreme version of Batman, right? Where yep. he does the right thing, but the methods are crazy, right? right. And I love the idea of n- never compromising, you mm-hmm. know, even in the face of Armageddon. Yeah. And even though he's very flawed and dark, and I would even say problematic, maybe even unlikable, for the longest time, you know, at the end of the story, I, f- I still feel like he's right. At the end of the story, in fact, I feel like a lot of people are right in the story, which is crazy. But I love mm. Rorschach; he's so, he's so interesting. And I really like how the mantle of Rorschach has been explored in other ways. Yeah, um, especially with Tom King's book right now. I think it's really interesting how they're doing it. Um, but it would have to be Rorschach for me. How about you guys?
0: Uh, let's. Uh, I, I know the answer. Yeah, I, I love. Uh, I love hear. I love hearing the stories. Uh, I love,
2: <coughs> Ozymandias. He just. Uh, is the ultimate villain and I think he was shortchanged in the film, but in the book, he, you you don't find out till the end, but uh, like I said before, all the builds up, all the build up of his master plan and all the steps he took, um, you know, the best villains are the ones who think they're right. Mm-hmm. And he thinks he's so right and really devotes himself to his idea of, of, you know, how to solve this cold war problem mm. and that that pa- i remember reading it that panel when uh you know after after everyone or after the population dies and he's in his little castle and he's like i did it and he's like looking straight up and the panelist on like looking down at him and he's he's like tearing up i just thought it was so moving uh I think yeah he's he's such a strong character yeah. Like, in, in the movie, yeah, they didn't – I know we're talking about the book, but he was so, like, kind of pretty boy suave kind of thing where yeah. there's that one uh, text chapter in the book where it talks about, like, his training regiment, how he, like – he's at his physical peak. Yep. And all the mm-hmm. all the people in the world buy his, like, you know, how to get fit videos. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. he he's just, mm-hmm. like, a real man's man, you know, came from nothing, built a fortune, and – uh, the scene where the uh, watchmen meet for the first time, uh, you know, and Comedian burns the map. Yep. And he pretty much says, you know, if you're not solving this big problem, like everything you're doing is meaningless. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to fix this. It's up right. to us. And then he does. Of yep. course, it's morally uh, not sound, <laughs> but he did it. And that's what I like about him. Um My one of my
0: favorite scenes with him in the book uh, that was not done well in the movie, but in the book, I think it's great, is when he's attacked in uh, the lobby of his building and and, you know, he fights off the guy. And because before then, you know, his assistant or, you know, one of his publicists or whatever is like, you know, so the action figure people want to know who are your villains. So they're going to make they're going to make action figures of them. And then he fights the guy off and, you know, the guy dies. And then he just sits there all solemn, and he's like, "Tell them I don't have any villains." It's it's so. I remember reading it and thinking, and and being surprised that he ended up being the villain in the end, because it yeah. was like
2: that's funny though, because that it, that whole thing was staged. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, obviously you know that at the end, but right, right. But, but that he's, chapter, he's I was still like,
2: affected by it, you know. Right,
0: uh, or maybe he wasn't. Or maybe, maybe he it was, wasn't. It was all an act. God, I love it. Um, that was one of the few before Watchmen books that I really liked was the Ozymandias one that Len Wein wrote. Uh, mm. It was really, really good. Um, I think we talked about that in the other podcast uh, that hasn't been released as opposed to the schedule I'm doing. I They're all out of order. <laughs> <laughs> when you're podcasting, you just... You that just, happens. You record you record all kinds of shit. Um, you just do. But, you just do. Well, you know, it's like at the beginning, you know... Um, one thing I liked about the movie was that they expanded on the fight uh, with the comedian in the beginning. Because the book opens, the comedian's already dead. Mm-hmm. And I think the movie made the right choice with showing that fight. So it gets the movie started, so like, right away. Um, whereas, like, in the book, you just kind of get snippets of it.
2: Yeah, there's a good pace to that, too. Like, yep. the, the hits are so, like, loud and hard. And yep. people are getting zipped around the room and breaking stuff.
0: Well, the, the Before Watchmen book, um, the, the comedian and Ozymandias fight, and comedian wins, and Ozymandias has an inner monologue where he's like, I'll remember this. <laughs> and it's just, it's so, mm-hmm. and, and Len Wein was a great writer, so in the hands of a lesser writer, it would have been like, that would have been cheesy, but it was, I think it was Jay Lee that drew it. Um, the, way it was, the way it was done, it was just like, Oh yeah, this this guy yeah. he knows what he's doing, um, and it was really creepy. Um, but yeah, but you know, and those characters I I, I think are fantastic. Um, I would probably go with Rorschach, but since Nico very eloquently said <laughs> what's what's great about Rorschach, sorry, um, <laughs> Jesus man, he got uh, dibs. <laughs> I shouldn't let the guest go first. Called dibs. <laughs> it's like having Chris on the podcast. Never. you just can't follow him. You know, uh, if you've ever listened to a podcast with him, he's He's great, um I think I talk about him at least once a podcast um anyway the uh i I'd go with dr. Manhattan because it's just so mm-hmm. unique as a character and just like i it's almost it's hard to put into words um so I'll find a way because it's an audio format gotta do something uh, <laughs> it's it's really. Hard to write him, I think. And Alan Moore, obviously creating him, knew uh, – had that figured out really well, where the whole – the way he sees time, the way mm-hmm. he perceives the world around him. And, you know, we talked about before him being so indifferent to everything. It's – so it's like what if, what if just a regular guy who kind of just didn't give a shit and he didn't have like a traumatic childhood or anything. He, he just was a normal guy. And he had this traumatic thing happen to him, and instead of um, and instead of going, wow, I have all this power, you know, what am I going to do with it? He's just sort of like, yeah, I have all this power. Yeah. And, and that's the end of the sentence, you know? Like, the, uh, <laughs> the way I'm wording that makes me think of the mask. With these powers, <laughs> I could be a superhero! <laughs> um,
2: yeah, it's interesting, though. He still keeps a girlfriend— it's almost like he out of habit tries to keep a semblance of a normal life mm-hmm. but it's just so hollow yeah you know um and, and i and
0: i love that he's kind of become a meme especially in recent years the i'm tired of this world i'm tired oh, of their yeah. problems and um I see it everywhere there's 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 a relatability to that isn't there you know mm-hmm. and uh, it it's funny hearing that you know what that that kind of age old question if you had any superpowers, what would you do and in case of uh John osterman um he just he sort of has all these powers and he doesn't really think anything of it like he goes to Vietnam because he was asked to go to Vietnam. he doesn't go because <laughs> he he needs yeah to... I was just
2: thinking about that now i I think Alan Moore's writing of the line, you know the Superman exists and he is American, yep and then. How they flip that and say the actual quote was that God exists and He is American, Mm. or yeah, but I I think that was like so deliberately done to kind of jab at America at the time, Mm. as as now, (laughs) well yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. you know that that we're like this we're the (laughs) super country and we have to be on top, and then we end up getting the most powerful being in the universe and then we get them to go to war for us and solve all of our problems yeah it's 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 good
0: it and you know vietnam is very sort of famously like the war that we kind of fucked up in general and uh so having that aspect and and i love that the book is drawn this way where they become the the 51st state um and it's Mm -hmm. funny because in the um the Watchmen TV show, she says she was uh, uh, Regina King's character is like, oh, I was born in Vietnam, and uh, something happened later, and I was like, but she's not, a, then she wouldn't be American. I'm like, why are they talking? I was like,
2: oh, right. yeah, in yeah. this history, she
0: would
1: be.
2: Yeah, that show really didn't miss any details. Yeah, no, yeah. they threw
1: everything.
0: Yeah, at you that show. Yeah, uh, they, they that was, and we'll get to that in a later episode. That that show is mm-hmm. just. Fucking brilliant from top to bottom, Mas-
1: masterful. Yeah, masterful. Yeah,
0: we were actually talking about that uh, with the guy who runs the studio before we came in. He's said, like, I heard about that. Yeah, and we were like, Yeah, you gotta watch that. Like, oh yeah, like, like oh, yeah. right now, just leave and go.
2: Um, <laughs>
0: he he didn't though. He's still here watching us. He's st- <laughs> kidding.
2: Oh, he's gonna watch it.
0: <laughs> Don't you worry.
2: He He's watching.
0: Um, but but with Doctor Manhattan, I I love that. You know. I think his chapter where you know they you get into his history and everything is just so interesting because again just this really mundane normal boring person and as you know as that chapter goes on when he gets his powers and he talks about when he you know first met the watchmen uh what are called the watchmen what are they oh the crime busters right oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) same. So. <laughs> <laughs> Who you gonna call? Um, the crime busters.
2: Yeah, it's almost like all the other characters in the story try and tell John like what he should do, yeah. what he should be, what, what is right, and you know how he should be conducting himself. Yeah. and he he kind of goes along with it to to most of the degree, but then eventually he's just like, "All right, I'm gonna head out." yeah <laughs> yeah
0: right <laughs> no it, it's, and it's and it's great that um the way it it's done in the book and it's it's done well in that scene in the movie when they're on Mars, and he says, you know you're you're about to tell me that you're sleeping with Dan, mm-hmm. and she's like, Well, you already know, and then later she says something, and he's like, Oh, you're sleeping with Dan, and she's like, You already knew, and it's like he can't help but yeah. know everything, but he still is going to react. The yeah. way a man would react learning that his girlfriend is sleeping with another man. Um, it, and it's so uh, – and I I think one of my favorite bits that I audibly laughed out loud at in, in the book was when he takes Lori to Mars and he, and she's, like, suffocating and he, like, fixes it so that she can breathe. And he's like, forgive me. Sometimes these things slip my mind. <laughs> it just, I, I just laughed at that going, like, well, yeah, because for him it's it's no big deal. He's yeah. just going to – He's going to walk across Mars like it's, you know, like you said, it's nothing. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you're not going to survive here. Um, and I thought that uh, Damon Lindelof and his crew, when they made uh, the Watchmen TV show, they and and even Jeff Johns, when he was writing uh, Doomsday Clock, they, they cracked the code. They figured out how to write Dr. Manhattan because it's not easy. Like, I, I couldn't mm-hmm. even attempt it if I wanted. I to. doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, think I could either. Yeah, because it, it's the idea of. I know everything that's going to happen. So, first and foremost, Alan Moore had to have known the entire story if he's going to yeah. write this character that knows everything that's happening. Um because I think that the movie most of it did not write him very well. Uh Billy Crudup does a great performance, but you know, when you when you're trying to break it down, it's like it, it's not that he's predicting the future, he just knows.
1: Yeah, he knows. He's 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 also in a way he's there you know he can exist in every every moment at once and that's also i think what makes him him tragic is he he can't relate or adapt to humanity anymore because he he can't be human he's cursed with the immense endless knowledge and immense endless power that he can't experience like laughter or pain or fun like those things are so below him and if he gets into a situation or relationship or event, he knows how it's going to end. So you're robbed of sort of the endorphins or the feelings you get as that process goes forward. So, yeah. but in a way he is relatable. Cause you can say, well, if I knew what was going to happen, well then. All right. I'm out of here too. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, It's, it, it is a very tragic story. Um, and, and I like that the characters, he's, he's the only one with superpowers. You know, yep. Osmond Diaz is at his physical peak, and Rorschach has the line where he says, "We once joked that he could catch a bullet," and then obviously later in the story he does. Um, it's uh, so I think that that's interesting, saying like, okay, so if if these people were real, how would that affect history? And and we kind of talked about this before, like with Alan Moore. You know, you said making a jab at America, and I think he was good at that with his writing anyway, <laughs> making. Making jabs, but at it's
2: a, even if even if he was making a jab, it it fits in that story like so yep. perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not even mad about it.
0: Well, um, the thing I th- I thought about a lot before the uh, this past election, I I was I kept thinking about Watchmen because I kept thinking. If Trump gets a second term, oh yeah, we might get into this Watchmen <laughs> world where he's going to get a third term. And, <laughs> and that that terrifies me because of th- the past four years were just terrifying enough as it was. Yeah. Um and and it was funny thinking I was like, I don't want this this movie or this book to be real.
2: <laughs> it as, yeah, yeah. As much as yeah, I... that's because we don't have a Rorschach. Yeah, or anyone else <clears throat> to save us. <clears throat> nope. Um, but it. it
0: it's it's interesting having these characters and uh you know having a, a character like night owl again just a, really just a regular guy who's super boring like he like his parents were rich and that's how he funded his crime fighting stuff and and then and he wrote a lot of
2: books uh, about ornithology <laughs> yeah what does he say he's like yeah hey, ornithology yeah you know, birds planes you know like those are the things he's into yeah like So he's just like, (laughs) I think the most interesting thing about him is the fact that to feel alive again, he has to get back into crime fighting. Yeah. So good.
0: I, I, I think that that's, that's so great thinking or seeing that portrayed in the, in the book, because he's, he's just this, like, you know, Warshak describes him as like a, a, a flabby, useless, whatever. I forget the exact term, but it, it, and then, you know, later when he puts on the costume, he's reinvigorated, yeah. you know, he's you know, and he, he's like, you know, we gotta we gotta break Warshag out of prison. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just this shell of a guy.
2: Yep. Yeah, what is what does he say when uh or or the the part when uh Hollis is, is murdered oh, yeah. and it like drives mm. him to And he, he beats the shit out of
0: that guy <laughs> in the bar. Uh, and then Rorschach's the one that stops him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and those and, that, and that's an interesting parallel I, I, uh, as well because in the first you know the first part of the book, Rorschach just goes up to the one guy and he breaks his finger and he looks at the crowd. He's like, "I just broke this man's finger. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to break another." And and then like later, um, after Hollis dies, um was his name, Dan. He you know he's he's like he's a you. It's like you killed Hollis, and he like beats the oh, shit yeah. out of the guy. And Rorschach's like, "All right, all right, yeah, easy math. There's people around. There's yeah. people around." <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I and a lot of people are, are always like, "Oh, you know, he's he's like the he's like the Batman of the book, isn't he?" And it's like, no, mm-hmm. he isn't. No, like he's he not. Kinda, if you're just kind of glancing, and you know, if you, you look, look at his you know
2: abilities, yeah, he has he's mildly wealthy and has some technology. Yeah. So that but not sense, the person. Right. Yeah. The
0: the the on further study, no, it's very much not Batman.
2: Um, probably more I never thought of him as the Clark Kent until you said that. I'm yeah. like, yeah, he kinda I is. didn't either. I love he's just love a that. nerdy Clark. Yeah. He's he's nerdier <laughs> than Clark though. At least Clark is somewhat charming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, right. right yeah.
0: <clears throat> I wrote books about
2: birds. Okay, I will say the scene at- <laughs> The the scene in the movie that's so good is when he's uh when he's about to have sex and he has to like stop and take his watch off and he, he's like, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, on, sorry. <laughs> that I can
0: see Christopher Reeve doing that. <laughs> Something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh you know, going back to what you were saying before, Nico, uh I think my absolute favorite chapter of the book is uh when Rorschach is with the psychiatrist. Um mm
2: oh yeah that's great
0: just a it's funny because i read an interview with grant morrison and grant morrison was saying y- you know your your writer shouldn't be smarter than the characters and he didn't like he didn't like watchmen um or i'm sorry they didn't like watchmen because grant morrison came out as non-binary
2: trying to use the right pronouns um just me <laughs> look like wait yeah. <laughs> what what he didn't like watchmen because he thought yeah, it was uh, written too cleverly. Grant
1: Morrison doesn't like Watchmen.
2: Yeah. He, uh, that, wow. Grant Morrison
0: said that, uh, like that scene in particular. They said, "Well, would that uh, psychiatrist have never seen an extreme case like that? That just that doesn't that didn't mm-hmm. ring true to Morrison." And and I can kind of understand that, but the more I thought about it, I was like, "Well." Probably what this person was thinking was, you know, at least the character in the book, I mean, you know, I'm I'm going to get on talk shows, I'm going to get book deals, maybe there'll be a movie about me, you know, yada, yada, yada. So I can, so reading it, I can understand that, you know, the, the psychiatrist uh, whose name is escaping me would, uh, would just be like, like, dealing with this thing, dealing with Rorschach thinking, oh, this is a famous case, I'm going to get famous. And then Rorschach is just like, I'm not yeah, I
2: wouldn't mess. say he's necessarily not smart, maybe he has seen extreme cases, mm-hmm. but he understood you know the events that shaped Rorschach created this dogma in his mind that would probably take you know decades of therapy to even try and crack into, and right. was probably like yeah i'm uh uh-huh. I'm cashing out, so Yep. see ya, <laughs>
0: uh I." I love the way that chapter is framed, where it's it's all from his point of view, not from Rorschach's, and you get to really see just how how twisted he is, and and you understand his story, where again he had a very tragic backstory, he had a very just you know not an awful childhood, um, but at the same time. What, what led him to be a crime fighter? Like it's, it's not like his family was murdered in the streets, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like Bruce Wayne, you know, he's not, um, he's not wealthy like, like Dan or whatever. It's just like, he just saw the world around him as unjust and said, there needs to be justice. There needs to be order. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Nico, you brought up the, the quote earlier, you know, um, no compromise, not even face of Armageddon. And I love that aspect of the character having that having that strict code saying.
2: Well, yeah. and you do get to see the turning point where he uh, adopts that because yep. he, I think he even says, you know, back then I used to not go too far yeah. or when I'd hurt people to get information. Right. But then when he finds the remains of the little girl, that, that's mm-hmm. when he kind of snaps. And then then the gloves come off. And never come back on again.
0: That that panel where he leaves the guy in the building or in the house and um and he sets it on fire and he's and he's like, I, I stayed and watched it burn, that's a haunting image. Um and I love the way Dave Gimmons uh uh drew that because you're just like yeah. watching it going, hey, wow. shit, like this this guy you you literally see that turning point that yeah. you're talking about it's
2: I remember being really blown away when it, when he was unmasked and yeah. I don't think I like yeah. knew right away I was like wait who is this guy and I'm like flipping back yeah. I'm like this guy that that was such a uh, that's, good
0: reveal that's another laugh out loud moment is oh, yeah. when he's talking to the the guy at the newsstand and he's like you know do you have the new issue of whatever in yet news frontiersman i think and and he's like no i don't have it yet and then like he leaves the panel and he comes back a panel later and he's like, When are you getting it? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's like and I remember going to see the movie with some friends and and they were and when you know Rorschach's there with the end is nigh sign and I turned to my friend and I was like I was like, That's that's Rorschach. She
2: was like, No shit You spoiled
0: it? <laughs> yeah. Well you're about to
2: find out like ten minutes later.
0: <laughs> I'll so, tell wow, you wow, <laughs> dude.
2: If you had said that to me I would have punched you in the face. Well, if I didn't know
0: well that's that's
1: another interesting thing about Rorschach too and that's why I said he's like the extreme version of Batman in a way because everything that Batman does you know he does when he's in the column and when he switches back to his normal life as Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. you know he sort of turns that other facade on right right And you can always argue, I mean, I won't as a diehard Batman fan, but I know people who really study Batman have argued like the way he does things, he shouldn't be able to switch back and forth like that. It's almost really crazy. And that's the one thing I really like about Rorschach. That's also maybe a negative thing too about him is Mm -hmm. that when he takes the mask off, he's still, he still believes the same things has the same view of the world. And I think with his already twisted viewpoints on that, when he sees the way that that child was good. So he he already thinks humanity and society is like inherently evil, right? Mm -hmm. But even then, to see him be shocked that there would be a death of a child in that way, and that's sort of the thing that snaps him, is so interesting and it's so interesting to read because it's almost unfathomable for me. I do believe that there's terrible evil in this world. We've seen disgusting things. But the idea to think that the world is so, so evil, like the line that always sticks out to me that makes me also hate Rorschach, but also sympathize with just how messed up he is, is when um, when Laurie is telling him the story of um, her mom getting raped by the comedian. Mm-hmm. And he was almost justifying it because the comedian was an American war hero and he was alluding to that her mom was a whore, right? Yeah. So, like trying to say that they already have flaws but the comedian was doing something good in his mind to justify his flaws whereas the original silk specter wasn't i'm reading that going this guy it it can't be this black and white it's frustrating right yeah. it's frustrating to read him yep. but it's also so interesting
2: yep at the same time so i i think jj got it for me it's a book called Watchmen and philosophy mm. and it it raises some, like, massively good points, so I, I would recommend reading it, in, uh, but the only one I remember is they talk about Rorschach, and they talk about how his morality is actually very flawed, because he's black and white, and, and uh, you know, he, he's all about killing, you know, evil people, but he doesn't follow his own rules. They, they talk about when he goes to uh, Dan's house, and he, like, eats his beans. He's like yeah. if he if he was really black and white, uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't steal. Like he's already yeah. not following his own code. So <laughs> they basically say that he cherry picks his yeah the things he follows and believes, right. which I don't even think is to his detriment. I mean, he sh- he should be allowed to pick. You know, if he's only going to go after the super evil things, I think that makes sense from a character point of view. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but I always. Uh, like, I had never considered that till I read that. I'm like, oh, yeah, he does eat, eat those beans. and He breaks into his friend's house. <laughs> yeah, like like it's nothing. <laughs> um, you know,
0: and also just not – I mean, if he was going to be that black and white, when the police come to arrest him, he would surrender. But, yeah, you know, he doesn't, no. doesn't do that. Uh, but then again, you know, those cops are not the best anyway. Um, but they do not really get into the police – too much in that book,
2: so that's not really what the story's about. Um, so I, I think that joke doesn't work. I <laughs> well, I think what they were what they were going for there, because there there's all this talk leading up to that point in the book that superheroes are are no longer allowed. You know, they they've been outlawed. Yep. And like Rorschach is is he the only one that like didn't stop? Yeah. And so. Yeah, he's- He's you know, like the, he's the white whale of he, the superheroes. Because he didn't register. The comedian yeah. registered with the government. And yeah. so yeah. they finally have an opportunity to take him down. It, it kind of reminds me of, like, Dark Knight Rises when they have the chance, oh, we can go catch Bane, or we can go catch Batman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know? I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, that's the point of the movie. You're supposed to be like, you fucking idiot. Like, you're supposed to go after Bane. Right, right. But, yeah. you know, so that's effective. Um, but he also was... The guy who abused eleven. So it's a
2: pretty (laughs) sick scene, though, that he takes out all those cops, or at least gets as far as he does. Yeah, yeah. It. I mean, I love the.
0: And it's interesting with with the book where the the action in it doesn't. It it never feels gratuitous. It it feels like it's it's yeah, even
2: though it's very graphic. It, It is,
0: but it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not. I agree. It's not for shock value. It, it it's where organic would, within the story.
2: Everything in that yeah book is organic. Yeah. God damn.
0: It's it's re- really well done. And uh, you know, a character you know we haven't really even talked about is is the comedian, where it's oh. like on on your first read you you wouldn't think anything of this character, and then as you go on, it's like oh this is a very important character, in the history of all these other characters, um, and. It's it's interesting getting into it and uh, one thing I think the movie didn't uh, that I thought was annoying was that the movie sort of spoiled the the Lori aspect of it because there's a picture of her like next to his bed. Um, I was like I was like ah, you, you're kind of spoiling you know I, I I guess one of the bigger twists is that you know that's his daughter. I don't think I ever noticed yep. that. Yeah. You know, and it's when in Rorschach, the beginning. Yeah, when Rorschach is investigating Uh-oh. his oh, apartment. Yeah. And it's. But uh, I, I think that character, again, it, he has such a. You know, again, ha- the idea of absolute power corrupting absolutely, you know, whereas, like, Dr. Manhattan is just sort of like, eh, whatever, I don't really care that I have these powers. Um, not that, you know, the comedian doesn't have any powers, like superpowers, but he's granted power yeah. by the government, and he just. He He kind of has, like, a Homelander vibe
2: Mm -hmm. to him where he's this super soldier. He's a war hero. Mm -hmm. But instead of kind of... I are great. Instead of going down a Captain America route, he goes down a I-can-do-whatever-I-want route. Yep. Yep.
0: And it's it's really scary. And even when he's... When When he's, he's, like, fighting that mob and he just starts, like...
2: He just starts, like, attacking people, like, random people.
0: Right. And and, uh, even... Like in the beginning, when you know he goes after Laurie, or not Laurie, Sally, it's just you know you're like this is a really despicable character. But then as the book goes on, um, when Laurie finds out about him, you know I love that scene where she goes up and slaps him. It's like I know what you did to my mother, and he and he just looks at her and he's like only once, and she's like what Mm -hmm. the what the you know what does that even mean? And and then she finds out you know as Manhattan is kind of making her relive these things he's like you know can a guy you know talk to his friend's daughter Um, I remember that that took me a minute to kind of piece together you know you know book versus Mm -hmm. movie kind of a thing Uh, I was like I was like oh you know what a
2: you know what a twist yeah
0: (laughs) Um, (coughs) I couldn't hold that one in All alright and I love that that's sort of the moment that Manhattan, you know, again, comedian being seemingly not an important character, but then you find out is super important. You know, Manhattan goes, wh- what's the line like seeing water turn to gold? Some, he says something like that. Um Something like that. Oh, yeah. air turned to gold. And and then he's like, he's like, OK, you've convinced me. Let's go back to Earth. Let's let's help mm-hmm. save the world. Oh, I, lo- I love that part. Yeah, it's uh, it's such an interesting thing in this and the smiley face on on Mars on Mars perfect which, which is real you know that's that's yeah. a real image from Mars mm-hmm.
2: um so I yeah that's that, cuz Dr. Manhattan did it <laughs> <laughs>
1: he's there right
2: now <laughs> we know um that you know it, I
0: I think it, the character that I don't think is done very well in the, in the book is uh, is Laurie I don't think she gets she doesn't get a lot to do she doesn't
2: she's yeah I I don't but, think she's I I don't think she's bad. It's just compared to the other characters, she's not as compelling. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: I'm 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 glad you brought this up. She and I feel like if I said this to Alan Moore, he would tell me I'm crazy or dumb or something. <laughs> whatever. But but I do Probably. feel like she she falls into, like you said, she's not bad. She's just not as compelling because I also think she falls into the like the stereotypical old way of writing. You know female characters where they're kind of sexualized and where they're mm. sort of always tied to either a relationship or a male character yep. in a way. In her case um, so too. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Right. In her <laughs> case too. In her case too. So um, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I was going to bring that up later. I was going to say, if there's one critique I could find, it's that Lori, I think they could have, he could have done a lot more with yep. um, and given us a little bit more. Uh, but thankfully we have sort of the um, Watchmen, HBO show that that does her pretty yeah. well. And oh, yeah. what I didn't realize the first time I watched Watchmen, the show watch Watchmen, I always hate saying that. It's like it's like a weird talk so The first time I watched Watchmen, HBO, it took me like four or five episodes to realize um that she takes a uh Eddie Blake's last name in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yep. is interesting. And I know towards the end of Watchmen she sort of molds her costume. Um in a way to honor the comedian because when you think about it sort of really quickly going back to him for a second is he's he's a character with such despicable actions and yet in some ways you feel sorry for him because his whole story is he's he's just coping with the world right he he thinks he thinks humanity is so bad and the world is so it's so fucked up that the only thing you can do is laugh at it it has to be a joke our lives have to be a joke because there isn't anything good right? right so um when that sort of starts to unravel once again on on the rereads you do you're like wow all these characters are interesting like there's so much more here than just is this a story about what was the right choice to save the world which is ultimately what it comes down to it's like all these characters they all see society in this really different way yeah and their actions all impact them and it's like wow it's all these people <laughs> it's like in when comic books usually glorify their heroes right and, mm-hmm. and and all of them are good and all of them do great things you 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 get a story of a team of people who are all flawed yeah. and a lot of them in a lot of ways hate humanity and society whereas all our heroes want to fight for it so bad whether it be dc or or marvel mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's it, it's it's a you know, and that was Alan Moore's uh, thought process in in writing the book was the mm-hmm. deconstruction of superheroes, yeah, uh, and comic books in general. And uh, you know, Frank Miller was doing the same thing with th- the Dark Knight Returns. Um, and both of them, are, I mean, they're classics for a reason. Um, and and like I said, you know, the three of us having read it, we weren't reading, a, you know, back in the '80s, going, "Whoa, this is like changing my <laughs> mind about how you know comic books are written and how superheroes are perceived or whatever." You know, we're we're seeing the aftermath, so we can appreciate the cultural significance of what Watchmen has done for the medium. Um, but also, we can read it and go. But there's there's also enough time has passed that we can read it and and not just and not just think that oh look at what it did to the medium. We can read it and go. But also, this is a very layered story. So it you know as much as it was meant to deconstruct superheroes it also was meant to be an entertaining story i mean alan moore and dave gibbons i mean they had like pages and pages and pages of notes just for you know like one panel
2: yeah it makes Mm -hmm. you wonder how much didn't make it into the comic yeah for how how long the comic is
0: and and you know and and they intended it to be a a a one and done you know they they were just like this this is the story and that's it It's definitely
2: a complete story yeah
0: and and you know like we were saying at the beginning it's you learn so much about these people you spend so much time with them and i think that the Watchmen tv show does this well too that you feel like you're getting everything you need out of this and but at the same time i don't begrudge um dc now capitalizing on it and, and doing before Watchmen, doing doomsday clock doing mm. the rorschach comic you were talking about nico mm. which i'm I'm behind on unfortunately i mean i'm a huge fan of uh, of tom king anyway um And that's and that's another writer that, like Alan Moore, he thinks it's very left brain thinking, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, and uh, whereas like Jeff Johns made kind of a direct sequel, how does this tie in? How can this tie into the the DC universe? And I think he did that very very well with Doomsday Clock. Um, But it's also like, and you know, what's great about Jeff Johns writing is that he does think outside the box but not in the way that Alan Moore or Tom King do that. Like, especially Alan Moore, like the, the books he wrote were always just on a, on a different level. Uh, like his Swamp Thing stuff is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's a reason that they adapted that for the TV show. Um, hashtag save Swamp Thing. Um, please, please. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was great. Hashtag you know. save
1: Swamp Thing. Uh,
0: and, you know, and I remember reading that and, uh, reading that book after I had read Watchmen. I think I think Watchmen I must have read Killing Joke first. Uh but so Watchmen was like the first major Alan Moore thing I read where and I don't think I realized it it was kind of quote unquote part of the DC universe uh because obviously it doesn't really reference mm-hmm. you know any of those characters uh but I just remember being so engrossed in it and going like there's so much happening here, and then you have all the ancillary stuff with the tales of the Black Freighter, and then uh-huh. <clears throat> uh, Hollis Mason's book, and it's just there's so much in it that's really just uh, y- you get kind of wowed by it. Going, wow! This is there's there's so much happening in this, even though it's just a it's just a twelve issue comic book. Doesn't it, feel like it. No, no it it, no. it it's very it's very dense, and. So it's, you know, you you know, you're saying you read it over the summer. You're saying I read it over the weekend. It's like,
2: yeah, I I read it, but now I have to go back and read yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was read thinking about what you said, or how I said something, and you riffed off of it. And Then I thought, it, I thought of a little nugget of wisdom: where your first read, mm-hmm. you can really appreciate the taste, but yep. your second read, you really appreciate the nourishment. Uh-huh. I like that. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I yeah. like that. <laughs> I'm hungry.
1: I'm hungry now. <laughs> hungry for
0: more. Well, you did say you didn't eat breakfast, so that might be part of it. True, that. true. <laughs> uh, but, but seriously, the there's there's so much within it, and it's funny where, you know, Alan Moore kind of famously had a falling out with DC, you know, and so many people for the famously, long- yeah, Ugh. uh, so many people called the book unfilmable I remember ter- Terry Gilliam had an interview where he said he would do the show he would do the movie or he would do Watchmen as like uh, like an HBO special like a limited series mm-hmm. um, but it's like I think at the and I think at the time movies like in the in the late 80s they didn't have that um, I was thinking about this last night when I was preparing for the podcast they didn't have that the the it's very much a comic book in the sense that it doesn't need to have a narrative flow to it. Like, it jumps mm-hmm. around through time and you get different characters' perspectives. That wasn't really heard of until more recently when I think, you know, I, I, we just watched uh, The Truman Show recently. It's yeah. a very strange example, but bear with me, where it's like there's a point in the movie where the movie sort of stops, uh, Truman's story stops, and you learn about uh, Christoph Ed Harris's character, and he talks about like the history of the Truman, sh- how the Truman Show came to be, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, you know, there was a point where movies didn't do that. They didn't stop the main narrative and switch gears, and now you're hearing from this character. Um, so it, I think it took a while for writers when they're coming up with how to do this, how to do the story. Oh, well, you can interrupt the story because you're learning about these characters. Yeah,
2: I feel like you can interrupt the story if you do it with something just as interesting. Yes. And in an Alan Moore's case, he did it every time. Yep. Every, every time, time you switch gears, you're just so engrossed. Yeah. And and that's
0: why I think for the longest time, they they didn't, they couldn't quite crack the code of how to make this into a movie. Uh, it wasn't until you start seeing movies that can interrupt their own narrative. A, a good example is uh, uh, Memento. Um, mm-hmm. the, no one. <laughs> yeah. Where it's, it's very, uh, you're literally watching it backwards. Yeah. Uh, and he's and i'm thinking like pre Watchmen, so pre like 2009 um where movies weren't afraid e- even batman begins to an extent where the movie does kind of jump around through time but you you understand it it makes sense i mean the whole movie you're following bruce wayne and his story so that's different where it's a one central character versus mm-hmm. you know like seven or eight with watchmen um but it's like oh it, when Zack snyder could make the movie it's like oh okay so since this is an ensemble you can instead of solving the mystery of who killed the comedian you can dig into these other characters and it doesn't stop the narrative flow of the movie it just builds on it
2: yeah he just he'll introduce something new but it's also a build-up and then introduce something else that's new and it's also a build-up and then at the end it all comes to a head yeah and it's great yeah um I'm a
0: big fan of that movie. Um I think the changes they made to it for the most part are really good
2: minus uh, the ending. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I Yeah, I think in 2009, I think the I, I think, think, they think they were the just bomb, trying to play it safe. They're yeah, not yeah.
2: not go too far out there to fan they didn't want to scare fans into being like what is this? Right. But imagine they should have just the done squid it. Shows up. Just imagine if, the squid shows if they up. had done it, we would love it. Yep. Like it, oh, it, it I would love have it had an even bigger cult following in in my opinion. Sorry. I'm very passionate about the ending. <laughs> no,
1: no, I'm, I'm totally with you. Cause I'm someone who, when I actually read the graphic novel, my dad forgot to mention that it was a squid instead. So I'm like, yeah. Oh wow. In fact, I actually love this more. Um, I just, I, we always like to joke and think about because with, with Snyder's movies, it always is like, Oh, what if, he did this or what if this happened would it have been received the same way so we always joke that dude if he threw the squid in there all, all the all the critics all the audiences would have been care. like what is this there is a squid in new york city when, when
2: they show it in the hbo show mm. I, oh it, oh, it's perfect it's it was perfect. it was perfect and at it, it a little piece of me what felt complete yeah because i got to see it on screen there was some vindication there yeah, yeah. for sure um <clears throat> and i I love the the ending
0: how there there is the the ending where everyone agrees okay we're we're not gonna tell anyone you know Adrian did this thing whatever we're we're full stop, yeah, yeah, and, that's and then, different
2: in the book too
0: no no it's 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 the same where the worstrexks journal gets picked up at the newspaper. right, but in
2: the book don't don't um. Dan and Lori, like immediately go along with yeah, it. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I didn't like that about the book. That that always bothered me. I thought it was yeah. Better They're like yeah, we'll movie. keep the secret because it's literally like two panels where Dan's like, I don't know about this. Okay, okay, <laughs> like, it's fine. Like, like literally, his like hand goes down. He's like, okay,
1: yeah. At least I just want to go date yeah. you still. So let's just go.
0: <laughs> Can we have sex? <laughs> And then they do. <laughs> and then they do. And then that's literally, there's a panel where John walks by them and they're, and they're like cuddling naked. <laughs> really? He's yeah, like, yeah, So in, we in the snow? No, not in the snow. In, in the oh. fortress thing. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He's like, So we good here? Can we bounce wow. now? Can we, can we... <laughs> I'll keep your secret as long as we could. Uh... <clears throat> yep. All right. So, uh, all right, guys. Uh, see ya. <laughs> yeah.
2: At least in the movie, he was a little like, this Yeah. Is, this isn't right. There, there was a, there was a conflict there, and
0: he was pissed that Manhattan killed Rorschach. Uh, that that seems really he was royally yeah. pissed. Um. Whereas in the, and then in the book, they, they changed their identities. Um. And I like that. Um. Uh. Jeff Johns brought that back when he shows them in Doomsday Clock, um, that they were still living under those, uh, under those fake identities. Because I remember the first time I read the book, going, Who the fuck are these people? And then I was like, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Right, that that makes sense. Oh that yeah, because they, <laughs> um, they didn't do that in the movie, but I think it makes sense that they would do it. But then again, in the book, there was a lot more where the police came to Dryberg's house and mm-hmm. they were, you know, investigating him and his connection to, you know, all the superhero stuff from you know the seventies or whatever. But uh, but yeah, but I, I I love that ending with Rorschach's journal getting, um, mm-hmm. and that's and that's why I I never thought of it as being. It's like, uh, sure, like Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, they were like, oh, it's a one and done. You know, like, this is it. But that ending always made me think, like, yeah, but you could do something else. But I also <laughs> love the idea of it. It's in the audience's imagination. What happened? Yeah. Well, what happened when they found Horsak's
2: journal? Wh- what I think is super interesting is when I read it, I always assumed the journal made its way into the world and all of that was undone. And then when we watched the HBO show and what they did, which I like blew me away, was that uh, the journal was still released, but like the whole world was divided on whether it was true or not. Yes. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like all of this and you you still don't believe it. Like you had some people that believed it and some people who didn't. Well, there's there's
0: and that takes, you know, that that's a reality that we have, isn't it? That we literally have this virus that's killing people. And, and we're dividing. You know, yeah, yeah, and you still have a bunch of people going, yeah, but that's a hoax, right? It's like, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I love the memes that are like... Uh, I saw one... Uh, uh, Nico, have you seen A Quiet Place?
2: Yes, yes. yes.
0: Okay, so... <laughs> um, I saw a meme that was like, the thing is is that I can't watch A Quiet Place anymore is because I just feel like if there were these monsters that hunted by sound, there'd be people banging cymbals going, this isn't real! And I was like... <laughs> Ah, uh, you kind of ruined the movie for me a little bit. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's
2: true. We're <laughs> we're a divided race, Yeah. divided people. But I think, uh, but
0: it, it's because it's not like that in uh, Doomsday Clock, where uh, the gets out and people, like, and uh, there's sort of a a mass gathering outside of Adrian Veidt's office saying like, like you know. You killed us, you know. Fuck you, whatever. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. I haven't read that in a little bit, uh, <laughs> but going, but going to for a future episode. Wink. Um, hey, hey. <laughs> but uh, and and I and I think that both endings or both of those uh, starting points for the HBO show and, and Doomsday Clock are uh, are very plausible. Like you, you would have either the dividing and. And then you have uh, in the show, um,
2: what what do they call the Rorschach group? The S- seventh Cavalry. The, the
0: Seventh Cavalry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they're they're very much twisting Rorschach's um, yeah. message, which
2: is also something I could believe would yes. happen. Yep. Based on current events, you know, <laughs>
0: it's and that's that's terrifying in and of itself. Uh, it and I and I love that that you know we do get those follow ups, but for the longest time. We didn't have that you know we didn't know like you know there was the before Watchmen comics which I thought was great that they could expand upon the different characters but I thought the majority of those books were either hit or miss um I remember really disliking the comedian book um I just I, I don't even remember why I just remember not liking it at all um but like and the Rorschach book was meh but like the Diaz one was really good um and there were other there was one for Moloch there was one for Dollar Bill um, why yeah, I'm the on. other big characters, <laughs> yeah, the staples, <laughs> <laughs> Dollar Bill, who's in like six panels in the entire
2: thing. Is he the one that gets his cape stuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, because that's how his he he just has one book that's like a one shot, and that's how his ends with him dying, um, <laughs> in the most embarrassing way. It makes me think of the Incredibles. You know, no capes, but um, okay, <laughs> uh, but such a, but I. I so I, I love that we have those those new materials to to have now, uh, you know, because Alan Moore very famously was was against any sort of sequel. He was pissed at DC for keeping the book in publication, and my
2: argument was always, yeah, but you signed the contract. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think it it plays best as a comic. That yep. being said, the other media's we see it in are pretty good. Well, I think the the show was very smart
0: to be a sequel and to play into the strengths of a television show mm-hmm. where it it can be similar to a comic, obviously, but it you can do stuff with a TV show that you can't do with the comic. obviously, like you there's no ambiguity with the performances um, mm-hmm. or how like you or I would interpret a, a line in the book. Um, and but then it, then again, having these other comics uh it I, I like that the world can get fleshed out because I always thought like as much as this is a complete story and if this was all we ever got of Watchmen, we were lucky to have it because it's a great story. But yeah. I there but you can expand on it. You can do more with it. Uh, you know, and Alan Moore just needs to chill the fuck out a little bit. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um like, you know, he very you know, he took his name off the movie. He didn't want anything to do with that and um I remember there was an interview with Damon Lindelof before the show came out where he was like, I know, like, Alan Moore wouldn't be okay with us doing this, but at the same time, fuck it, we're doing it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but, like, Damon Lindelof is, like, you know, kind of, he, he, he was very honest in saying that Watchmen is, like, his favorite book of all time, and, you know, he, he loved, uh, you know, that, that's, like, one of the first things he was really exposed to, and, uh, and it's evident when you watch the show. Uh, oh yeah, it's it's very much uh, a sequel to that. Um, I don't know how I feel about Robert Bradford still being president like 30 years later. That that weirds me out.
1: That was the weird. Yeah.
0: That that feels just a teensy bit lazy to me. Um, that was the weird part. Yeah. yeah. But in a nine-episode show, if I have that one complaint, yeah, it's a Yeah. Well, but uh,
2: yeah, I wonder why he did that.
0: Yeah. You know, maybe they couldn't think of. Like what's Any... what's more logical, Ronald Reagan being or, or Robert Redford being president or Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> suspend this belief there. Um, yeah, I mean it's fine, but uh, I mean I mean this book, you know, it's it's so it's so interesting, you know. And I, Nico, I think you said this before. You know, you can you can find something new in it every time you read it. Mm-hmm. And I remember not realizing at first that like Rorschach's mask was actually moving yeah like throughout like reading it, and I was like oh okay i it just it didn't occur to me the first couple times I read it, and then um, uh, you know, really digging into it and and talking to a friend of mine at the time who had also read it, and just being like like there's it, there's so much story here, it's so dense, and the probably my least favorite part of the book is the Tales of the Black freighter stuff i just I
2: don't find it very interesting oh, i I think mm-hmm. that that adds some. I think that adds some stuff i like it i mean
1: it's um it turns out to be major foreshadowing of you know yeah um adrian veidt's whole whole thing there right um yeah it 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 took me a while to grasp the black freighter stuff i was always like what is this i'm like (laughs) oh it's really deep
0: (laughs) um but uh you know it's what's great about it is i mean i you go on and on about like how much I love comic books, and you know, in finding something new every time you read it, and it's great just to have this, to have this thing, and and really ensure it's a deconstruction of superheroes and what if superheroes were real? This is how they would affect the world, and I think in that aspect, it it nails it. You know, I think there there would be huge changes. You know, whereas like I, you know, it's funny I was thinking about I was thinking about it while watching Captain America: Civil War. And it's, like, the, the world kind of goes on as is, but superheroes exist. You know, so it's, like, I like that we have this aspect where, no, the world would be fundamentally different if superheroes were real. Um, you know, and, you know, there are, like, vigilantes out there, obviously. Uh why is their name escaping me? The There are? Well, like, the, the people in the red jackets <laughs> in New York. What were they
2: called? Oh. You're I talking about know. real people, yeah. Like Zack Snyder, like on Earth. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes, real people. I don't know. Um. Anyway, I'll think of it later and I'll put it in the intro. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but it's you know I I like that we have that this thing that that shows us uh, and and again I think Alan Moore very left brain thinking really like. Well, if superheroes were real, this is how the world would look. This it would be very, very different, uh, and you know, and, and not just. And even before you factor in, you know, winning the Vietnam War, it, all these other things that happen, um, you know, with the Minutemen and everything. It's just so. Uh, it's really. I mean, gosh, it's great.
1: <laughs> it's great. It's it's, and and I I, I think the most the most interesting piece of the whole story I me mean, was always at the end is I, I take the last line of you know i'll leave it in your hands as alan directly talking to us and saying yep. whatever just happened it is what it is to you right and mm-hmm. um i heard this from somewhere i forget i i heard another comic writer say this one time uh, that i thought was brilliant the name was the name is escaping me is the whole story it is sort of like a Rorschach test too what did you see what did you get from this like oh. what is it what is it to you and i and and i'm actually really now that i think of that way more and reflect on it way more like it is it's like a it's like a psychiatrist holds up and reads it all to you and goes who is right who is wrong who is good who is bad was is yeah. it is it is that, you know, in in Adrian's case, you know, he believed his good outweighed his evil, right? Mm-hmm. So, but in Rorschach's case, that was bad. That was evil, you know, and it's, 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 it is. It's like a Rorschach test. It's like, wow, what That's did awesome. that mean to me?
0: That's a really great way to put it. I never thought of it that way. I yeah.
1: didn't either until I heard that. And I'm like,
0: <sighs> oh, so see, we're still learning. We're, oh, no. See, think. exactly. We're still learning. <laughs> um, you know, and, and Adrian has the line where he's like, I've made myself feel every single death, you know, and it's just it, I, I remember reading that line and and thinking that still doesn't make it OK. You know, uh, I'm I'm thinking of some of my friends who uh, were posting about like, you know, at the time of this recording, Justin Timberlake released an apology about the way he had treated Britney Spears and Janet Jackson. And a lot of, a lot of uh, female friends of mine were like, "Yeah, well, no, that's that's not okay. It's still not okay. Like, y- you can say you're sorry, but that doesn't mean anything because you're just – you still did all these bad things. And the best apology is changed behavior. Um, whereas, like, in Diaz's case, he can't undo all the deaths. But he's like, I, I'm okay with it because I I know what it's like for them to have died. It's like, yeah, that
2: that doesn't that I don't think that makes it okay. And then there is that moment of doubt when he asks John, like, "I, you know, I, I did the right thing, right?" Mm-hmm. And of course, John answers in his John way, and it it creates that doubt in him, like, "Yo, yep. oh, fuck, did I did I fuck up here?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's the best line of the whole book. Yep. That is the best line of the whole book when he looks for justification, yeah, from a god, and the god just goes, "Man, well." <laughs> that sort of dips out <laughs> um
0: okay. oh man what i mean i mean it, it, it's obvious watchmen is obviously a classic you know we you know we're all big fans and um for and i'm i'm glad we 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 had watchmen we got to spend you know this this past hour and some change talking about it um and you know and we'll have and i love that we have more now that we have Great writers like Tom King, like Damon Lindelof, that were like, I know how to expand on this. Like, I have an idea on how to do it, and and they're not doing it in a cash grab way. In yeah. like a yeah, yeah, we'll just use the Watchmen name. It's like, no, we have really cool ideas on how to expand this mythology, which is um, not which is not easy, and it and it's very. And I think bef- that's why I was saying before before Watchmen was like hit or miss. Uh, uh, some of it was just. Yeah, okay, I can tell a story, but it's it doesn't have the impact that Watchmen had.
2: I think we've been pretty lucky. There, there's been so many franchises that have been rebooted, revamped. Oh yeah. And we've we've been lucky that, like, you don't mess around with Watchmen. Mm-hmm. The things we have gotten, the continuations and whatnot, have been pretty solid. Not, and I I don't, you know, it's
0: funny you mention that. What pops in my head is, I don't keep up with it as much. Obviously, you know, just. For you know, all the content that's out there. One thing that I think keeps getting rebooted and keeps getting worse is Ninja Turtles. They just keep rebooting it, and it's just over and over. Yeah, it, there's a new cartoon every couple of years, and it's like you, now
2: it just looks
0: awful. Just like, go
2: back to that original '80s movie that had all the all the pieces. That movie, all the elements, is so fucking for, for a, a great, great story. Yeah,
0: love that movie so much. Don't
2: try and. Uh, Michael Bay, it yeah. (laughs) Oh, Michael Bay. Uh Um,
0: Yeah, and also if you're gonna cast Stephen Amell, like give him give him better stuff to do. He's a good actor. Yeah, use him, (laughs) use him, utilize him. Yeah, Uh but uh, but I digress. The but yeah, you know you're right that when people want to talk about Watchmen, and I think that there is there is sort of a stigma there that it's like oh well it's untouchable you know for the longest time it was unfilmable it's like well it isn't it's just that you need somebody that's going to come in with the right idea you know and it's not going to sit well with everyone of course washman doesn't sit well with everyone which is fine but you know if you're gonna attempt these things at least make it at least make it so that it fits and it expands on the world in an interesting and and great way
2: yeah and they have to have the resources and they have to not have like a studio interfering so all the you know all the elements need to be right right and to pull it it off
0: and that's uh just about impossible (laughs) to begin with uh but look but i think you know like you said we we have been lucky that we've gotten some really great stuff out of it um well, gentlemen, this has been this has been a lot of fun. Uh, great this was way, awesome. Great way to spend a Saturday. Um, and Nico, you know, I don't think I'd ever seen your face before. You kind of look like Damon Lindelof.
1: You know what's funny? Someone just told me that about last <laughs> week. <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> no one saw what just happened. We just turned the camera so that Jesse could confirm or deny. This is where Nico
2: like <laughs> takes his hat off and he's like, the "Joke's on you. I am David Lindelof." <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I'm very proud of you, gentlemen. It's <laughs> about my this show. This was a whole test.
0: He's like, and also JJ, I heard what you said about Prometheus. You asshole! <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> what? I hate that movie. Um, but seriously, you know this this has been a lot of fun. And you it's know, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh you know the Vigilante Thirty Nine podcast. Uh, you know, uh the way I was talking about it with Zeddy was like, you know, you guys with your Italian passion, like you and your dad, just like I just I I listen, and he's just like. No, yeah, but like with one division, it's great because I'm just like oh, here it is. I can feel my, my can car feel speakers it coming booming. through me. <laughs> um, you know, so we got to we got to get him on one of these one of these episodes. Oh heck yeah, yeah. heck yeah, that uh, would be awesome. That would be awesome.
1: He he can't wait to tune into this. So
0: yeah, yeah, he's pretty he's pretty pumped. Yeah, it's uh it's it's been great, you know, uh, meeting you and talking talking to you guys online, and likewise, brother, likewise. It's it's great with with podcasting, and I've said this, you know, uh, a bunch of times now. It's like. What, what's interesting about podcasting is that there's no in a weird way there's no competition you know because it's Correct. like you, you know we're not on competing networks or anything like that or in competing theaters we're you know you get to tune in whenever you have the time to tune in it's pure mm-hmm. passion yeah and, it, and it's great because I have so many podcasts that I follow now uh, some locally here in, in Erie some that you know you guys are in Chicago you know there's some mm-hmm. that You know some like conan o'brien's podcast i think is hysterical so it's like it's it's great that i get to we get to have all this content um and uh and fan podcasts can be hit or miss but luckily you guys are you know like i said i feel your passion
1: and thank you so much man Mm -hmm. you are you're way too kind you're way (laughs) too kind and um i i I think to echo what you said the really cool thing too is in the worst year of all time 2020 is Mm -hmm. when we all sort of form these connections which is great right it was it was it was the best gift we could have gotten in an otherwise shitty year
0: (laughs) (laughs) well it it was great you know where that's where i became really great friends with uh you know with with chris clown paul herman and peter vera Mm -hmm. you know all these batman film guys and Mm -hmm. then you and zeddy um Mm -hmm. and it was just like you know now I get to have this embarrassment of riches with friends all over the country. And, Absolutely. and, you know, like you, like you said, you know, it was like, it was a really shitty year, but we got to, we, we still got to make content when nobody else was making content. No, I making content. making You know, I said to Jesse before, I was like, I was like, I, I think the best thing that ever happened to my podcast was this pandemic.
1: <laughs> the same thing for us. We got better Yeah, <laughs> at it. And, 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 and we're really able to turn into something. It's, it started off as just a really small, hobby and get together for us three, and then it sort of turned into like a little bit of a thing and yep. and so you're right i i, I don't want to spread light on covid it's been terrible no,
0: it's it's, been yeah it's awful yeah
1: tragic but but it did um I, and, and 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 in some ways a lot of it, some great did come from it is what I'm trying to say
0: yeah yeah there was it forced us to be more creative and uh mm-hmm. and reach out more and, and I'm glad that we got to we got to make these connections um and, and Nico, you know, I say this to every guest, I usually mean it. This time I really mean it. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely get you back for a future episode. Uh, this Thank has been, you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Jesse, of course, you know, always we – this is just us talking normally anyway. Yeah,
2: <laughs> just a normal <laughs> Saturday
0: conversation. <laughs> or any day conversation. Right. Uh, so, folks, um, uh, actually, before we go, uh, Nico, if you want to uh, uh, plug – your podcast, where to find you on the interwebs.
1: Yeah. Uh, so on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox, you can follow me at n i k k o c a r u s o. That's at Nico Caruso. Um, as JJ Lovely alluded to earlier, you can follow the other show I have with a really good friend of mine and my father um, at the Vigilante 1939 podcast on Twitter. And I'm also a uh, film and TV writer for the Let's Go podcast, so that's at the Let's Go podcast. JJ, thank you so much for having me, and I promise you we have to repay you twice now. So you'll be on our show at least twice in the future. I promise you we're, we're trying to do some cool things, um, with having as much as, as many, not as much as many people on, um, in 2021 as we can just to sort of, um, in a year where we didn't see anyone or humanity and all our daily lives and relationships had to make all these sacrifices and take a backseat in 2021. We're trying to oversaturate and talk to yep. you as many great people as we can and jesse if you want to join them hell yeah come join them
2: yep. it's been a pleasure man yeah mm-hmm. it, uh, yeah this is, nice. this is this has been a blast
0: um and hopefully when uh, when the world reopens uh maybe we'll see each other at cons oh uh, heck yeah definitely looking forward to getting back to that um so uh we are signing off here folks and we'll leave you with a question who watches the Watchmen? It, it's us we we won we, <laughs> we <do>. did it <laughs>